Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Happy Sunday. Happy Palm Sunday, actually. Uh, We'll have a word of prayer. Father, uh, we do thank you for this day of remembrance of your entrance into Jerusalem to begin the week of passion, which would be the week that would take us back to paradise. So, Lord, uh, thank you for being willing to come, to suffer for our sins, to go through the agony of hellfire on the cross, to say to us it is paid in full. And even now, raised and ascended, you are our high priest. So, high priest Jesus, we come boldly before your throne this morning. And you know we come with needs. You know we come with struggles. We know you come with questions. And so, Lord, you're happy to see us in our messy state, uh, to receive us, to embrace us, to have sympathy for us, and, Father, to give us, Lord Jesus, to give us exactly what we need this morning. So, Holy Spirit, fall upon us now. Take our hearts and make them fertile soil so that the, this, your word, will bear 30, 60, and 100 fold fruit. Lord, we can't thank you enough for loving us, being involved with us, and being close to us. So now just visit us again this day that we might receive from your glory good, that we might indeed also be of good to people in our lives. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, we're in Ecclesiastes, um, and Ecclesiastes 3, 4, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance. Ecclesiastes is interesting because it's really a prayer journal. If you want to read it correctly, it's just a prayer journal, and we have a troubled king who is having up days and down days and mediocre days and thinking about what is life under the sun, which is pretty bad. And, but then he, this place here, he's under heaven. He's connected life with eternity in Ecclesiastes 3 for a moment. And he tells us there's time for everything under heaven. There are good times and bad times. There are times we're crying and mourning and grieving in times when we're laughing and dancing, and that it's all part of God's plan. Wait a minute. That's like the marriage vows, you know. A couple gets married, they get up there, and they say, you know, for better or worse, and not one of them is thinking about the worst. This is better. I am getting married to make my life better. And nobody's saying, well, you know, there may be some hard times. And then for riches or poverty, and everybody is thinking, yeah, riches, we're going to get off. We get tax break for being married. Yeah, that'll work. And nobody's thinking about the fact that may, somebody may lose all their jobs. And, you know, in these days of, you know, struggling with, co- with plague and with uh, politics, um, we're kind of caught in Ecclesiastes 3, a time for everything under heaven. And then, of course, a couple will also say that sickness or in health. And nobody is thinking sick. 
you know, I had a dear friend and they had a wonderful wedding and they loved each other very, very much. And then two months after they got married, he got cancer. And their sojourn together was she walked through him through a passage of walking through the valley of death for three years. When she took her marriage vows, she didn't, she didn't know that's what she's signing up for. But she was faithful and she held her. Now the good news is, see, they're going to have forever, forever. Not even until death do us part. They won't be husband and wife, but they'll be brother and sister forever and ever and ever. The good news is, no, we're not married in heaven, but our best friend, uh, our spouse, will be there to say hey to us. So there's always, see, Ecclesia, Solomon can find hope as long as we can connect time to eternity. Well, Romans 12, 15. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. And so the call here, by the way, is to express love. Um, you know, Romans 19 to the end of the chapter is basically saying, how do you love well? And how you love well is get tuned in to where somebody is. If they're laughing, don't drag them down, you know, because by the way, laughter is good. Uh, God laughs. But by the same extent, if you have somebody like Job who's being torn apart, it's not a time to tell a joke. In fact, sometimes the best you can do, you know, people always ask me, well, what do you do? Well, you follow Job's uh, friends and things. Don't say anything, just sit there, okay? Because up to that time, for seven days, they were pretty much doing pretty good. It's when they started to give all the advice they got bad. Sometimes you just have to be very careful about saying something because what is there to say sometimes? And then just trust the Lord. Isaiah 50.10, I will trust the Lord in the dark. So we're going to take a look. The Christian church is kind of strange. I, I went to a funeral of a friend, and he was a pastor and all this, and he left us a video, which I've never had anybody else leave a video behind. But he left the video behind, and on the TV screen, he said, hello, if you're seeing this video, it's because I've gone to see Jesus. And um, now I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you one more thing. I'm commanding you to do one thing. And he says, I don't want any of you to cry. My friend had a problem with Ecclesiastes. He didn't think there was ever a time to cry. He thought spirituality was always putting on a happy face. And to a great extent, the church in America has kind of bought into that. You know, uh, God doesn't ever want you to cry. Well, it says here, there's a time for that under heaven. And, uh, you know, and you're, you're not, you're just supposed to, you know, not grieve. And so people get put under, you know, we're trying to be more spiritual uh, than the Bible. We're creating a type of spirituality that the Bible doesn't know really anything about because the Bible is a very enfleshed spirituality. In fact, Jesus comes and he's God the Son, become the Son of God, and he took on a full human nature and he knew our pain and he shared our pain and he shared our emotions, including grieving, which is what we see here. John eleven thirty five, 35, supposedly the shortest verse in the Bible, 
I know somebody will go find a shorter one, but we'll go with general consensus right now. Um, Jesus wept. And on this day of Palm Sunday, Jesus wept again. Now, I'm quite sure, by the way, there were a lot of weepings between the weepings. These are just what recorded. So the reality is that he came up to Jerusalem and he knew that they were in rebellion and came on a cult like prophesied in Zechariah, fulfilling prophecy, and he just sees the future. He knows the city will be destroyed in 70 AD because of their rejection of him, and he weeps. Now, by the way, he's also, there's another place he wept, by the way, Lazarus. He weeps at the tomb of Lazarus. Wait a minute, he knows he's going to raise him from the dead. Yeah, but he knows that death is sad. He also knows, by the way, Lazarus is actually most likely going to be assassinated by the uh, Jewish leaders because he's too much evidence of Jesus being Messiah. And Mary and Martha are going to have to go through the funeral again. So he's sad. And so the thing is that Jesus wasn't very spiritual. Wait a minute, that can't be true. If Jesus can cry, we can cry. Now, by the way, you, 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 sometimes when you see these uh, TV reenactments of Jesus, they, you know, they have him riding in, and he gives what I call a John Wayne tear. No, that's the only way men are allowed to cry. See, men can't cry like really cry. They, they, John Wayne tears. A little tinkle from the side that, you know, you really, you know, not, you know, just wipe it away. And No, no, no. He cried as only a Jew can cry, wailing at the top of his lungs, pouring down tears, possibly ripping his clothes. See, Jews were kind of more emotional than you and I. The Jewish culture allowed a little bit more expression, even for men. By the way, that does mean the no cry rule is not genetic. Some Americans may. I was raised in, in the uh, time of the 50s, and so uh, as a little boy, if I cried, there was always some guy who would come up and uh, hit me on the back of the head. Somehow that's always considered to be a good thing to do. I don't know why. But he would hit me and said, if you want something to cry about, I'll give you something to cry about. Men, this was the rest of the message, men don't cry. Well, Jesus isn't a man. Wow. Learn new things all the time. Or maybe we're messed up. See? So there is, in fact, the prayer of lamentation. And this is, the Psalms are known, is known as a book of praise, but rather there are more songs of lament, which means sad prayers desperate prayers, complaining prayers, bewildered prayers, I'm at the end of my rope and I can't take it anymore prayers than any other type of prayer in the whole Bible. Now, if I was God and he didn't, he didn't want us praying prayers like that, I don't think I would have put all those prayers in there. We could get confused. We might think, well, maybe that's the way I'm supposed to pray. And that's a fact why, true. Now, by the way, not only do we have all the Psalms, we have Job, which is a long lament, prayer of lament. We have Lamentations, a whole book of lamenting. 
I would say God's telling you something. Part of your journey of faith east of Eden is you have to learn to lament, which is grieve before God, cry before God, wrestle with God. There's a guy, you know, Jacob that did that one night. So you see, and, you know, like Psalm 22 is a prayer of lament, and we know it. That's the best-known prayer of lament because Jesus quoted it on the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Best-known prayer of lament, I think, in the entire Scripture. But it's only because he said it was prayed long before, like a thousand years before it was prayed by some individual, most likely David. But it was also sung in the community of the Jews. Could you imagine coming up? Praise song this morning. My God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? That would be weird, wouldn't it? Now, you know there was a day when the church sang the psalms. You had a psalter at home even, and they sang, and they, they did sing Psalm 22. But we did away with that. So we're going to take a look. Basically, the psalms, and you have a little outline there, and it says very clearly that you make an address, an introductory cry. That's what we, if you're looking what to put in the blank, it's cry, C-R-Y. And what this is, you do identify yourself as just, Lord, you're my Lord. Father, you're my Father. Jesus, you're my Savior. You simply address, who am I talking to? I'm not talking to myself. I'm talking to the one who made heaven and earth. And it's a desperate cry. It's a from-the-gut cry, but it is, in fact, I know my only hope is the living Lord who is creator and redeemer and judge. The only hope I have. And then it gets down to the complaint or the lament. The complaint is, Lord, why are you allowing this? Have any of you wondered why God is allowing what's happening right now? I have. Yeah. What are you doing? So by the way, that's why a prayer of lament would fit this time. Lord, what's with the plague? What's with the politics? What's the plan? Or it's just sadness. Lord, all my friends have left me. I don't have a friend left on the earth. Lord, darkness is my friend. That's where they stole that from, by the way. That's Psalm 88. Psalm 88 is an incomplete lament because he never gets to the rejoicing. By the way, it also tells us this whole process can be messy. Job is messy. Job tries to be very honest dialogue, but in the end, he does, by the way, you don't think God answered Job's questions. Job thought he answered his questions, so you might want to read the book more carefully because apparently Job, he was satisfied. But he said, I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now I have seen you. Therefore, I repent in sackcloth and ashes because, yeah, in the midst of an intense conversation with God. By the way, have any of you been in an intense conversation uh, with someone you love and say things you shouldn't say? 
Yeah, when you get into intense relationship with God and you really put the things on the table, you're most likely to say some stuff you shouldn't say. But guess what? He's our high priest. He knows our weaknesses. He's sympathetic. He's hurt like we've hurt. He's hurting like we hurt now. It's a throne of grace. He's not going to condemn you because there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus even when you mess up. Because the blood of Jesus Christ is enough, paid in full. That doesn't mean, by the way, you have a credit card, you know, to send, God forbid, that you would take the grace of God and try to misuse it that way. But it does mean you can really be honest in prayer. Do you understand lying to God would just not make much sense anyway? Oh, Lord, I'm having a great day. No, you're not, Norm. I know that. Why don't you talk about it? No, I can't do that with you. You'll get mad at me. So it's always good with you, Lord. That must frustrate him, I would think. You ever have somebody not listen to you? Have you ever had a friend where you know they're having a bad time because of the body language? They say, hey, what's wrong? And they say, nothing. God has that problem with us a lot. Say. And so the, we just tell them. And then a confession of trust. Lord, though you slay me, Job, I will trust you. Isaiah 50.10, this was a verse that came to me. I was... I was what at the moment felt like the end of the world moment. You ever had those moments? And so I was reading Isaiah, and this verse, I don't know, I most likely have read it before, but didn't see. Sometimes I read the Bible, and sometimes the Bible reads me. And it's really the most important is when the Bible reads me. And so lo and behold, this verse said, I will trust you in the dark. Whoa, the Holy Spirit said, Norm, that's what you, you're right, it's dark. You don't have the faintest idea what's going, and it doesn't look like any answer can possibly answer. Trust me. Trust the one who died on the cross for you. Trust the one who was raised from the dead for you. Trust the one that's proven he loves you more than anyone else has ever loved you. So it's not just blind trust. It's trust in somebody who's already demonstrated he's the best person we have in our life. And then um, that confession of trust sometimes, by the way, will also have a little self-talk in it. Oh, soul, why are you so troubled within me? Trust in God. So sometimes, by the way, that whole thing happens because you get into an inner dialogue. So you're talking to God and you're also talking to yourself. You have to preach the gospel to yourself. I have to preach the gospel myself all the time. My summary of the gospel is very simple. God in Jesus Christ is good. I can trust his character. God in Jesus Christ is great. I can trust his competence. God in Jesus Christ is gracious. I can trust his compassion. God in Jesus Christ grieves, time to grieve, grieves with me in all my grief. He's afflicted in all my affliction. There's never been a day that I have hurt that he did not hurt with me because he is my faithful companion. And God in Jesus Christ has guaranteed that all my grief will work for good. He's committed to my success. Now, when I'm really losing it, I go in the mirror and I say, hello, Norm, remember who God is. And that's my summary of preaching the gospel to myself, often. And then, 
we have the simple thing, and that is the prayer for deliverance. You know what the prayer for deliverance is? Simple. I was at a very bad board meeting at church. I know none of you have ever had very bad meetings, but this was a very bad meeting. So we're going around the table to pray into what looks like we're going to have an Armageddon meeting. And uh, so everybody's praying, and of course, as pastor, you always had the job to start or stop, so they had designated I was going to be the last one praying. And they were, of course, waiting for some profound, you know, pastoral prayer to close all this together. And I simply said, help, Lord. Amen. Well, that's a prayer for deliverance. Sometimes when you're most desperate, you don't have many words. And by the way, your words are not what makes your prayer effective. Uh, Jesus interceding for you, the Holy Spirit translating everything that's in your heart into a language that is God's will, and sincerity. And God will take care of the language. Prayer is not magic. We're not trying to cast a spell. We're trying to talk to God. And finally, praise. So strangely enough, we start in tears. In fact, we, we start here. We start in crying and grieving, and we go all the way to the other part of Ecclesiastes, and we are laughing and praising and dancing. Yes, dancing is allowed, but only the right kind. So, so the, the reality is, that's it. Now, Psalm 4 is kind of a complete psalm, so we'll take a look at that. So we see the introductory cry in Psalm 4.1. Answer me when I call you, my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. So he, he has indeed some requests of help here, but it's really saying, hello, God, I'm here. Pay attention. And then complaint, Psalm 4.2. How long will you people turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? I was talking to a brother yesterday and, you know, he seems to be the only, you know, disciple at his workplace. So he was pretty much in this lament. And he's saying, how long is God going to put up with all this ugly stuff that people are doing? How can God tolerate his name being blasphemed, uh, people talking about really immoral things as though they're good? How can he handle it? No, he didn't know it, but he was lamenting. How long, Lord? Now, why is it that God does put off Judgment Day? Anyone know that? Because Peter, you know, they basically, you know, Second Peter chapter 3, some people will say, well, Jesus is never going to set the world straight. Look at how long it's all happened since the beginning of time. Well, that's not true. There was this little thing called the flood that kind of broke up the rhythm. But he says... Don't you get it? There's two reasons why we haven't entered into the new heaven and the new earth, why Eden has not come back on steroids, which we all, that's what we want. Enough of this, Lord. Give us Eden, heaven, kingdom of heaven. And he says the reason is that God is patient, not willing for any to perish, but for all nations, all peoples, all tribes to experience the gospel and salvation. Because what Jesus said in Matthew 24, I will not come back until the gospel has gone to all nations. 
And so Peter, and then the other thing is, and you don't understand God. See, God is outside time. So for him, a day is a thousand years, a thousand years is at the day. Um, we haven't even gone through one day yet. Now, God and me talk a lot about this time thing because it was like yesterday already. And he says, well, it's only been 10 minutes. It's actually not been anything for him because he already saw the answer. He has, I just don't see it yet. That's called waiting on the Lord. The Lord already has answered the prayer. I just haven't caught up with the answer. That's called waiting. Biblical doctrine. And so... We then, after that, so we can see then the prayer for deliverance, tremble and do not sin. Well, we'll go to verse 3, confession of trust. Know that the Lord has set apart his faithful servant for himself. The Lord hears when I call him. So God hears. There has never been a prayer of yours that God did not hear. He is paying attention. You have not been lost in the shuffle, even though Job kind of thought he had been. And then the prayer for deliverance is found in Psalm 4. Tremble and do not sin. When you are on your bed, search your heart and be silent. Offer the sacrifice of righteousness and trust in the Lord. Many people are saying, who will bring us prosperity? Let the light of your face shine on us. Fill my heart with joy when your grain and new wine abound. So he's saying, I want to know joy again. Have you ever had a day when you just didn't think there'd ever be joy back in your life? I mean, the irritating part when you're in that place is not that he says there's a time, you know, to grieve and a time to mourn. It's like there's never going to be laughter again because we just feel too devastated. But you have to work that out with God. So you have to, by the way, see, sometimes we think, you know, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. And we think we got it. You got nothing. You got a map. See, the Bible's a wonderful map. But it doesn't take you anywhere. It tells you where you should go, but you got to take the trip. So you see, reading, cast your cares upon him because he cares for you, that doesn't mean you've done it. You have to take focused time in prayer, maybe some journaling, which we'll talk about a little later. And the reality is you have to really cast your cares. You have to release them. See, it can't just knowing that's a good thing to do. It has to be, yeah, I've done it. So here is your invitation, which I will repeat at the end as well. I want you this week to pray or write. Now, I'm a journal writer, so I always like to write. Some of you say, I don't journal, especially guys. Real men don't journal. Solomon didn't know that, but, but real men don't journal. So then, okay, just do it out loud. Do it verbal. But if you can, write it down because writing helps our emotions and stuff to get engaged, helps us to get out of the heart the pain that is in it. And so you write it out, and you, you write out the prayer. You're writing a prayer. It's all, is written prayers okay? Well, there's a whole book of them in the Bible, so I guess it's okay. So you're writing your own psalm of lament. And so you're going to cry out to God, however you want to. Oh, great God, creator, you who are good and great and gracious and full of, of love for me in Jesus Christ, there would be one potential opening for a prayer.
complaint or lament. Lord, you know that I don't like to lead funeral services. You know, they tear me up. And yet, Lord, there's been four of them since the beginning of the year. Lord, why? Why did four that I knew know have to die? Lord, this is overwhelming. I just don't know what to do. That's the complaint. That's the cry. Confession of trust. I know, Lord, that you felt that you wanted me to be at those things and calling people to faith, including the one this afternoon, Lord, where a newly baptized person was murdered. And you know that you chose me to be there because you felt that, that the brokenness in me could bring healing to the people there. So, Lord, I, I trust you are doing this not only for the good of the people there, but for my good. I will trust you in the dark, Lord. And then, prayer for deliverance. So, Lord, deliver me from all the massive sorrow that comes to me. Let me not be re-experiencing all the other losses that I have had, the losses of my mentors, the loss of my wife. Let me not get caught up in that, Lord, and trapped in that sorrow so that I can minister to the people effectively. Lord, let my heart be open, but not let it be crushed this day. And praise. Oh, Lord, I thank you that you use me, The people have come back after these times, these services of grieving. And they've spoken of how your spirit touched them, Lord. So thank you for using me, even when I think I can't possibly be used. Now, that would be my prayer of lament today. And so what you do is you just write that out. Whatever you're going through, God, you will never offend God by telling him what you're going through, because he cares. But he is sad when his children won't care. You parents ever have that thing? I wish they would just talk to me. Ever have that thing as a parent? Yeah, I'm, you know, I go with my oldest son a lot. How you doing? Fine. No, I mean, really, how you doing? <laughs> and so we have to dance, and then eventually we get into a deeper conversation. But there's a lot of this energy. Like, just talk to me. God's like that, I think, a lot. Well, the good news is we're also out of time for laughing and dancing. And so how do you do that? And you know, a lot of us, especially now, because things are strange, bizarre, frightening, put in your own adjective. And so a lot of us have lost joy, laughter, dancing. So what I want you to do, this is again a journal thing, this is another invitation for you to do something. I want you to write out a positive journal every day for the next 90 days, because it takes that long to reprogram your brain. And every day end with three positive things. Find three positive things. It can be good you do to someone else, or good that someone else did to you, or something good you saw God do, or a God sighting, or just a great event. And by the way, this goes against our nature because they have psychologically proven we focus on the negatives and not the positive. But if you do that consistently and do it for 90 days, 
your stress will go down, your blood pressure will go down, you will be less likely to be depressed. They've actually proven scientifically what Philippians 4 said, whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are of good report, dwell, Greek word, write it down and repeat it. That's actually what the Greek word means. And the peace of God will come to guard your heart and mind. But we now know scientifically this is also true. They've tested it. Now, you can do a positive life journal. You start your earliest memory, and the only thing you write down in that journey, every time somebody was good to you, every time you did good to someone else, and every time God manifested his blessing in your life, that's the only thing in the journal. Very prejudiced journal. And you're going to write that down from there to the present time, and this journal you read, some journals you shouldn't read because they're verbal vomit, vomit journals. But this journal, what's going to remind you, wait a minute, that day you say, you know, nothing's ever gone gone to my right. Let me get my positive journal. Oh, that's not true. This is this and this and this, see? Because it's, see, that's exaggerated language that gets us in trouble. Plan time's a celebration. I had somebody, you know, pass the test. They had failed it through times or whatever. And I said, well, did you uh, go out and buy yourself a steak or grab some friends and... Why don't we celebrate? By the way, you can celebrate more than national holidays. I checked with the president, it's not illegal. So celebration is allowed, okay? So, and by the way, the Jewish people all had seven times of celebration that we know of, at least. Notes of encouragement, this is where you become a blessing. If someone really does something nice, why not text them and say, thank you so much. You really were God's blessing in my life today. That not only does them good, it does you good, and now you have something to remember at the end of the day about what happened. But think about people that you've never thanked. And when you thank them, you'll become more thankful. And just take time to look at creation. I go down to a park at least once a month and just walk. And I remember God is still God, a great and beautiful creation. And sometimes I just need to focus on the wonder of Jesus on the cross, dying for our sins. And by the way, my friend, if you don't know Jesus, I ask you to simply say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. There's a whole lot of theology we could talk about, but because he's a person, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So you may not have it all together, none of us do, but just call on the name of the Lord and he'll come to your life. And the promise of restoration, the promise is one day there's a new world coming. There'll be no more death and no more tears. All the suffering that Jesus went through will have mattered. And we'll see the glory that he died for. We'll see Eden come back on steroids, and we will be in that Eden as the family of God forever. So I know everybody can be at a different place. Some of you, some of you, you know, you got, you know, you were a prisoner. They made you you know, come to church or watch church, and you're saying, when will this be over? Well, then I would ask you, my friend, if you're saying, I don't know if Jesus is real, well, watch Lee Strobel's uh, you know, film, 2017, Case for Christ, then, you know, just contact me if you send an email here to the church or whatever, and they say, I want to talk to Pastor Norm, then just, I'll get hold of you, and we can have a cup of coffee, a Zoom cup of coffee, whatever we have to do. But we can talk about, this is real. This is not just nice Sunday morning, oh, you know, we like to be positive. Jesus is real. He really did come back from the dead. He's the real deal. He's the Jewish Messiah. 
And some of you, you know, you're just at a place where you really understand the Psalms of lament, but you've been afraid to tell God about it. So your invitation is you know Jesus, but trust that Jesus knows you. And he loves you more than you could imagine. And he's ready to give you more help than you can imagine. But just come to him, just as you are, without one plea. But knowing that his blood was shed for you. And if you know you've been running from God, you've been mad at him, stop running and start talking to him. And he understands, but he is a good shepherd. You might as well come back home because he's going to chase you down. Because, you see, I have run away from God, but Jesus has always found me and brought me home. This sermon will do nothing unless you take it to Monday or Sunday afternoon. And you say, what is it? See, I went to a, I would let you know, a retreat, in fact, and we, it was a silent retreat where you weren't able to talk to anybody but God. And we're going through the Sermon on the Mount, and we were looking at the Beatitudes. It says, blessed are all those who mourn. And the Holy Spirit said to me, Norm, what have you refused to mourn? And I made a list. Because I knew there were some things that I had stuffed away, and I'm not going to cry. I'm going to be a real man. I'm going to just be tough and move on. And so I made a list of all those times that I just said, I'm not going to grieve. Forget it. And I took it before the Lord, and I said, Lord, there's my list. You said, make up all the things that I refuse to mourn. There they are, Lord. And he said, Norm, do you see all the comfort I haven't been able to give you? Do you see all the help that I haven't been able to provide for you? Because you have not, because you asked not. And so I spent a day in mourning. And it was one of the most healing experiences in my life. And the Lord kept his promise. He does comfort all those who mourn. Sometimes we're afraid to cry because we think we'll never stop crying. That's not true. Our sorrow is limited, but Jesus isn't limited. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So you have to, I, I know there are things every person here in this room has to do. You need a good lament. Because we've never been told we could lament. But pour your heart out to the Lord this week, and that's the fulfillment of this sermon. And then, when you're done lamenting, well, you start on that praise journal, and you start remembering there is a time to cry. There is a time to grieve. But, Lord, the sun comes in the morning, and there is a time to know the fruit of the Spirit is joy, to know that God has promised us everything in Jesus, that our sins are forgiven. And who knows, you might end up dancing. Take that into your life and meet God in the valley so he can take you to the mountain. Father, I thank you so much for all that you've done and are doing. Continue, Lord, that work. And Father, we come with broken hearts but you, Messiah, Jesus said that you would heal the brokenhearted. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.
Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.